There are many ways to treat dog aggression when your dog is aggressive to other dogs and or humans. By now you know that this aggression is almost always a result of your dog's fear of these triggers and is a way to keep the triggers away from them. We've also talked in prior episodes about how this aggression can be rewarding to your dog because the triggers, that is, unfamiliar dogs and or humans, always ultimately either back away or move on by. Your dog thinks that their aggression caused this to happen. Thus, the behavior is rewarded in the mind of your dog. Today, I'm going to talk about a second exercise or protocol that you can use with your dog to help with their dog and or human aggression. Almost everyone finds this exercise or protocol fairly easy to do because you are much more in control of your dog and the environment than you are when you're just walking your dog on the street. Dog parks are perfect for these exercises because they always contain what? Human and dog triggers in concentration in a contained area. Furthermore, if your dog can see a trigger, even through a chain link fence, they don't understand that the chain link fence keeps these triggers away from them. In short, they will have a fear reaction even to triggers behind a see-through fence like a chain link fence found around a dog park. Triggers contained behind a barrier that the dog doesn't recognize as a barrier, this is a good venue for behavior modification. And we're going to talk about that today in our episode. Please listen to this entire episode because most dog owners and dog trainers who use dog parks with aggressive dogs use them improperly for behavior modification. Dog parks can be a tremendous tool in this regard, but it must be done correctly or you stand a very real chance of making your dog worse, not better. Hi, I'm Scott Schaefer, and you're listening to the Dog Aggression Answers Podcast. I've worked with thousands of aggressive dogs and their owners, and I'm certified by two international certifying organizations in dog behavior. In this podcast series, I'll explain why your dog is acting aggressively and provide recognized science-based answers, things you can do to make things better. Understanding and addressing your dog's aggression will make living with your dog better and, let's not forget, improve your dog's life too. Before we get going with today's episodes, I just have a couple of notes here. One is, do not let your dog into the dog park for a multitude of reasons. These dog park exercises, like the one we're going to talk about today, are done outside and away from the dog park. You're not ever going into the dog park. I like dog parks. I take my dogs to dog park, but it's not for all dogs. Just as we've mentioned in prior episodes, a recovering alcoholic does not need to go into a bar. It doesn't make sense. And your dog, if dog and or human reactive, does not need to go into a dog park. Probably forever. Never take your dog, if you have a dog like this, into a dog park, even after successful improvement through behavior modification. It's just not a good idea. It's so easy in these environments to take a step back or many step backs. And a lot of dog owners will observe their dog in a dog park who is reactive and think that they are doing fine and they really aren't for a number of reasons. One of the behaviors that you see 
with dogs who don't like being in dog parks and who are fearful is they tend to be and spend their time around the perimeter of the fence, hugging up the fence. Second thing they do frequently is they hang out with the owners and don't really go moving around the dog park. These would be some indications that your dog is not happy with being in a dog park. Just don't recommend dog parks for dogs like this. A couple of episodes ago, we talked about turning the walk into behavior modification. Super powerful, really like that episode and what it talks about. Well, today we're going to talk about a different kind of exercise that's not done on the walk. It's going to be done outside of a dog park. I like to compare and contrast these two techniques by saying one is chemotherapy and one is like radiation treatment. Doing behavior modification on your daily walk is chemotherapy. It's a slower, long-haul type of treatment and a good one. The exercise we're going to talk about today is like radiation treatment. It is very concentrated. It can really move the needle pretty quickly. However, as I will mention multiple times, this exercise is done always under threshold. Even though it can move the needle pretty quickly with your dog in the direction that you want, meaning a reduction in the aggression or the avoidance behaviors, we want to still make sure that we keep the dog under threshold. And if you've been listening to the episodes in this podcast, you'll know what being under threshold means. Remember, don't go in the dog park as mentioned earlier in the episode and stay away from the gates into and out of the dog parks as well as stay away from the parking for the dog parks. We don't want to run into random dogs and humans. I just want to keep emphasizing that, that we're never really going in the dog park. We're working outside the dog park. When we run into triggers, i.e. dogs and humans, outside of the dog park randomly, we really can't control that threshold distance, that safe distance that your dog needs. So we just want to do everything we can to avoid that. Many dog trainers will have their clients take their dog and sit outside of a dog park to quote-unquote socialize them to humans and to dogs that they're uncomfortable with. The basic idea of this is correct. It's the execution that's really the problem. We have to pay a lot of attention to the threshold distance mentioned in prior episodes. We want to keep the dog moving also, and we want to properly use the clicker and treat. When we talk about moving the dog, That's such an important concept, and we're going to refer back to this a couple of times. Let me use this analogy. If you're walking by a pile of rattlesnakes, do you really want to sit there close to them, stop and look at them and try to be comfortable? No, you're going to feel a lot better if you have a little distance enough to keep you comfy, and you will be really a lot more happy if you can just keep moving by them. Well, your dog feels the same way. When your dog sees triggers that are concerning to them, they want to keep moving. It's much more effective. And when we are outside the dog park doing the exercise that we're going to talk about in just a second, we want to make sure that we reward your dog when they are looking at the triggers and reward them at the proper time. Let me give you an overview of how this works, and we'll talk about a few of the finer details in just a second. 
First, you want to pick a dog park that you're going to use that has enough real estate or land around it to do the exercise. Why is that? We're going to be using distances. So we need some land or real estate to do that. This is normally not a problem when it comes to finding dog parks. Why is that? Dog parks are almost always in what I call crummy real estate. They're under power lines. They're in floodplains. They're under overpasses. As a result, there's usually some land or ground or real estate around them where you can do your work. To really verify this before you go to a dog park, especially a new one, go to Google Maps and look at the satellite view. That gives you a great little view of the dog park and make sure that there's enough land or ground around it to do these exercises. Next, once you pick a dog park, you're going to select a side of the dog park or one of the perimeter fences that is away from the entrance and exit so that you don't run into random people and dogs like we talked about earlier. You'll also want to stay away from any parking near the dog park. The exercise looks like this. You will walk your dog in large circles, let's say about 50 feet, 60 feet, something like that, a diameter of about 50 to 60 feet at a distance from the dog park so that when your dog is closest to the dog park, they remain sub-threshold. Remember what sub-threshold is. Not panicky, not doing a lot of overt aggression or avoidance behaviors. But we want them, while you're doing these circles, outside and away from the dog park, we want them looking at the dogs and the humans in the dog park. And keep moving, like we mentioned earlier. Don't stop. Use the handling skills that you've learned in earlier episodes. You're cool, calm, and collected. You're keeping a constant speed. You're not micromanaging the leash. You're calmly doing these 50, 60-foot diameter circles at a safe distance, sub-threshold distance for your dog outside of the dog park. And every time your dog looks at the people and or humans at the dog park while doing these circles, and when they are calm and looking, as we mentioned, you're going to click treat. This is just like we did when we were talking about the treatment of your dog on the daily walk. When they look at the triggers, you click treat. If your dog is not reasonably calm, you don't click treat. If your dog is not reasonably calm, you might be too close and you want to increase your distance. You want your dog reasonably calm and sub-threshold as you walk around that entire circle. And I highly recommend that you do these circles in the direction that will keep your dog on the inside of the circle, which means you'll be doing inside turns the whole way around. That would be left circles or counterclockwise for the dog that walks on your left and right or clockwise for dogs that walk on the handler's right side. By doing the inside turns the whole time where the dog is inside the circle, it gives you more control, makes it a lot more control, by the way, when it comes to threshold distance. You'll see what I mean when you do this. Makes it easier to deliver the treats and puts you between the dog and the triggers when you are closest to the fence. As your dog gets bored with looking at the fence and the dog park, Take that whole circle that you've been doing and move the whole thing a few feet closer. 
Ultimately, you'll want to get almost all the way to the fence when dogs and people are there. That is essentially it. Let's talk about some of the important details. The details of behavior modification are what make these exercises work. Before we talk about some details, let's remember that what you're doing is slowly and systematically desensitizing your dogs to these triggers while counter-conditioning them to the triggers. The desensitization part is done with the slowly decreasing distance of that circle as you get closer to the dog park fence. The counter-conditioning part is done with the click and treat when your dog looks at the triggers behind the fence. You'll want to use multiple dog parks, maybe three or so. Why is that? Well, the reason for that is dogs can be pretty bad at generalizing their responses and emotional conditioning and behavior. What I'm saying is your dog may think, wow, the east side of this dog park, I'm not bothered at all by these dogs and people. But the north side of that other dog park really scares me. We want your dog to generalize this conditioning so that they feel comfortable no matter where they see the triggers, not just in this one spot. That's why it's important that we use multiple venues or multiple dog parks to do this. I really think you need about three. And you want to be careful to go when people and dogs are there. I know that's kind of common sense, of course. When are people and dogs going to be there? Here's my rule of thumb that's never failed me. Evenings and weekends, meaning typical non-working hours, when the weather is nice, when you have that, dogs and people will be there. Next note, use the thunder cap or the happy hoodie that we talked about earlier if you need to. And these are tools that we use with dogs that are so reactive that we really can't get enough reasonable distance to keep them under threshold. Like I said before in a prior episode, we can't go to Cleveland. They're just to get away. We have to work within the boundaries that we typically find. And these really buy us some distance. The Thunder Cap is really super effective. The Happy Hoodie can be effective in some cases that are somewhat more mild with some dogs. No guarantee that either is going to work, but the Thunder Cap is probably a little bit more reliable, but the Happy Hoodie is a little bit easier to use. No perfect tool when it comes to this kind of stuff. When it comes to either of these tools, you'll start out by doing these circles far away, slowly approaching a few feet at a time with one of these tools on the Thunder Cap or the Happy Hoodie. Once you are reliably and predictably able to get close to the fence with your dog at multiple dog parks, then you'll remove these tools and reestablish a threshold distance and do the exercise all over again without one of these tools. So stage one, stage two, same concept as we talked about when you do these exercises with the daily walk. The handling or leash skills you learned in prior episodes are so important here. This just can't work unless you don't have these skills reasonably under your belt, reasonably accomplished at these. Remember, you can go to the bottom of dogaggressionanswers.com and you'll find a couple of ways to leave me a message and you can request 
my free video, if you'd like it, on these handling skills. I'll send you a link and a password. A lot of my clients ask me about using a muzzle during these kinds of exercises, and I have mixed feelings about this, to be honest with you. If you have any doubt whether your dog may bite someone, like you think there could be some chance, even a small, really little chance, please use a muzzle. I'll never discourage you from doing that, ever. However, make sure you keep your dog safely away from any people and other dogs during these exercises, whether you have a muzzle or not. If your dog's aggression is so significant that you feel they must always have a muzzle during these exercises, I would highly encourage you maybe to directly engage the help of a certified dog behavior consultant in your area. This may be beyond your skill level to deal with. We just want to be careful that we don't injure people or put you in any kind of bad situation with your dog. I've done this particular exercise or one very similar to it with really a lot of hundreds and hundreds of clients over the years. And one thing I've observed and the clients have observed is that your dog will make progress really fast initially. It's kind of like if you start a weight loss program, you tend to shed some weight pretty quickly at first, but those pounds get slower and slower as time goes on. As you get closer to the dog park fence, you will move very, very slowly. So while you will initially make really pretty fast progress, it will get a lot slower as you get closer. And the reason for that is percentage. If you are 200 feet away from the dog park fence and you move 20 feet, that's 10% of the distance. Significant. That's a lot. However, when you are 60 feet away, and if you were to close the distance 20 feet, that's 33% of the distance. So that's a much bigger percentage, and your dog will perceive it as such. What is all this to say? As you get closer to the fence, go much more slowly. Just like with doing exercises out on the street with your dog, there are times when your dog is going to go over threshold, meaning it's going to start barking, lunging growling, whining, do all the things that dogs do when they go over threshold. Some dogs, as we have noted, when they hit threshold, actually start to move away. Either way, when that happens unexpectedly, what do you do? When this happens, you give your dog what they want, and that's distance, just like you do when the dog goes over threshold unexpectedly on the street. You just calmly Turn away from the trigger and walk away, directly away from the trigger. That does two things. It takes the dog's line of sight off the trigger and starts giving your dog distance, and they will almost immediately calm down. Key here, though, is that you are calm and deliberate. You're not doing a lot of micromanagement of the leash. How long do you do these exercises? Do them for 20 minutes for a minimum of two times a week for a minimum of 10 times. So 20 minutes in one session, believe me, that's going to be plenty long. A minimum of two times a week, in other words, two 20-minute sessions, and a minimum of at least 10 times, and then evaluate where you are. If you do these properly, I think you'll see some pretty significant improvement, and you normally would expect that in 10 times. 
Do this until your dog can reliably walk just outside of the dog park fence with dogs in the park at multiple dog parks. When you can 95% of the time get right up, up against that fence, dogs and people in there, and your dog is really nonplussed, not that interested, kind of looking, which is normal, and that's about it. You may have to do more than 10 sessions. You probably will. It just all depends on your dog and your dog's level of reactivity. But your dog is going to tell you when you need to stop and how many sessions you need to do. Your dog, remember, always gets all the votes on this. The dog tells us how long. Reminder, I'm just sounding like a broken record here. See, I just dated myself. You have to be over a certain age to even know what that means. So a broken record just means... When you had a bad LP or vinyl record, it would just get caught in a groove. They keep singing the same thing. And here I go. Don't let your dog in the dog park for a host of reasons. Probably, as I said earlier, forever. Just never take your dog into dog parks, especially if they're moderately or more reactive. I like dog parks, but maybe not for your dog. I call this exercise that we talked about today a setup exercise. In other words, you have to set the scenario up by going to a dog park, kind of like going to a gym to exercise. This exercise is really fairly straightforward and not difficult. You have better control of the environment and all the other variables versus just walking your dog on the street. Get these exercise dates on your calendar so you do them twice a week, just like you do if you're really adamant about getting physical exercise in for yourself, you tend to put it on the calendar. That kind of helps you do it. But don't rush things. Please don't rush things. Do it for 20 minutes. One session is 20 minutes. Move a few feet closer at a time. And after 20 minutes, go home for the day. You do not need to get up to the fence. I don't want you to get up to the fence. I want you to start at a good threshold distance away from the fence move a few feet and go home. Come back a day or two later, move a few feet and go home. Go to another dog park a couple of days later, move a few feet, go home. You get the idea. And when you come back a second time to either the same or a different dog park, your dog will tell you where to start. And hopefully you'll be starting closer and closer to the dog park fence. Remembering to always keep your dog sub-threshold. And here's a point that maybe summarizes the entire episode here. That is, your goal is to simply bore your dog with the triggers. If you're bored and your dog is bored with all of this, that's exactly what we're looking for. Because if you're bored with something, you don't fear it. If you fear something, you're not bored. We're looking for bored. And that's Another way, really, of saying the ultimate desensitization. We have really become desensitized to something when it bores us. Your assignment is to do this twice a week and watch your dog's progress. It's that simple. When you have an aggressive dog, especially one that is fearful of unfamiliar humans, we must also manage the dog's aggression, not just behavior modification, but management of the aggression. In short, keep them from hurting a human or dog primarily. This is especially true if the dog is in any way acting aggressively toward children 
Of course, we'll explore this essential part of dog aggression in our next episode, the management. Management has to seamlessly be integrated into any type of behavior modification for dogs like this. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, would you please subscribe to this podcast on any of the popular podcast players? There are a couple of buttons at the very bottom of the landing page on dogaggressionanswers.com if you'd like to leave me a message. I try to answer all messages, and I love getting that input. Before I sign off, I want to give you the reminder that I like to always give everyone with a dog like yours probably is. The information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have a dog who is aggressive and dangerous to humans or animals, for that matter, please consult directly with a certified dog behavior consultant who specializes in dog aggression in your area. Always take proper measures to ensure that your dog is never in a position to injure any human or animal. Thank you for joining me today. Before you go, please subscribe if you haven't already. If not for yourself, do it for your dog. If you find these episodes helpful, please leave a review. I'll see you next time as we continue your journey of addressing your dog's aggression. Now go hug your dog.